If you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribing or following Sharing the Middle for free on whichever podcast platform that you use. That way you can be in the know and get the most recent episodes right in your feed every single week. This way, you know and we know when we're all in the middle together. That was kind of cheesy. But either way, follow, subscribe, and thanks for joining me in the middle. Welcome to Sharing the Middle, where recovering perfectionists, overachievers, and anyone in the middle of a struggle come together and learn to embrace the messy middles of life. I'm Lacey, your friend in the middle and guide, whose claim to fame this week is accepting help when she needed it. I had a really rough day on Saturday, and instead of trying to push through or, frankly, knock myself down more, I just let myself be what I needed to be and accepted help. And you know what? I'm real proud of it. Today's a mini episode, but we're doing things a little differently. I'm going to re-release my conversation that I had with Kim Shapiro earlier this year. She has her book, What You're Really Hungry For, that came out last week. And I personally loved this conversation with Kim and thought it would be a good chance to revisit it. And then if you wanted to get her book, I've got it in the show notes for you. At the end, I do still do a little Lacey Loves for you. So I present day, Lacey. I will meet you after my conversation with Kim. Today, I'm joined by Kim Shapira. She's a registered dietitian with a background in human metabolism, clinical nutrition from Boston University. She helps people become their best self physically, emotionally, spiritually, and medically. She does this through a method of six simple science-based rules to help people along their journey to a normal relationship with food. She believes that health starts with you and a balanced lifestyle of sustainable wellness is achievable. Hi, Kim. Thank you for joining. Hi, Lacey. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, what I I like to start this with is asking people what they think of when I say the middle, because I find that for everybody, there tends to be this like visceral, oh, this is what the middle is for me. So what is the middle for you? I mean, honestly, I do first think of like, I'm the middle kid. Yeah. And then all, all the check marks that go off with that, which I don't really know that I fit that. But, you know, I, I think that means so many things. I think everyone is always in the middle and always in the middle. And I I can't even tell you what I think it means, except that I know that it's exciting to be right here and that I'm looking forward to the journey and being on the journey. And so staying in the middle really helps me focus not on the destination. I like that idea that you want to be in the middle. Of course. That's fast because I don't want to be in the middle. (laughs) I do want to be in the middle. I do. I do want to be in the middle because I know that I have a long ways to go. And I, you know, I think that people are successful in all things when they're open to learning and that they, a middle is a great place to be. I'm going to use that as a soundbite, by the way. (laughs) Middle is a great place to be. I love it. I I love it. I also love that your first thought is middle child because I am not a middle child. I know earlier you and I were chatting before I hit record about how I look at my life and I'm in the middle, but I'm the youngest. And I think that comes across in a lot of different way. Check, check, check. Check, check. <laughs> but that middle child, uh, especially middle child syndrome and whatnot, because uh, they don't want to be in the middle either. 
I guess I liked it. So that's funny. But I'm not a typical middle. As so you're not like see. the peacemaker, not trying to make everybody happy, make yourself be seen, that type of thing. I feel like those are the two things, right? You're either like the peacemaker or you're the one that's trying to make everybody or like trying to stand out to get attention. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, well, that's just part of my journey, right? So yeah. like I'm super excited to be seen uh-huh. where I have always been afraid to be seen. And that is a journey in itself. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that is, you know, very middle, but I have a middle kid and I think, wow, we're not at all the same. My middle kid thinks she's my mom from like in this life and she probably was in a past life. And it's like the strangest thing. I go say to her, Sophia, watch how you cross the street. And she looks at me and she's like, you watch how you cross the street. And I'm like, what? What just happened? Like, who's mom here? But anyway, there's some really good managerial skills right there. Standing up first. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I usually I like to ground our discussion in a specific moment because I think that when we're able to kind of learn the most about the middle is when we think about this one specific middle moment. So what is the kind of middle moment that you want to talk about today? Oh, my God, there's so many. I could say I'm in it right now. I mean, I'm seven months away from my book launch, right? And that's been, I'm 49. It's been 20 20 years in the making. Uh, You know, it took me about two years to write the book and then six months to edit it once it's sold. And then I'm right on the beginning, right? It's just about to go out. So I'm in the middle of that moment. As a person who likes the middle, I think that's really interesting because if I was where where you are, I would be, literally, I wrote a blog post that I posted today that says, I hate waiting in the middle. I hate waiting. Mm. I am impatient. So if I was where you are, which fingers crossed someday I will be, but if yeah. I was where you were, I would be so restless. How how are you feeling in this moment in the middle? I'm excited and there's work to be done. And so I'm okay. glad I have this time to do all the work. And I have had so many limiting thoughts in my life. And in the past five or six years through my own personal practices, I'm really working on removing them. So the sky is the limit. And I have basically seven months to take on opportunities and just push myself to new limits. And so that's where I'm at. So I just have the book is one moment, but like all these moments are like the journey. So that's where I'm at. I just it's so interesting to me that we are on such different ends of the spectrum of like I would be yeah so interesting. Now, I do want to say that I appreciate your there's work to be done. Yeah. Do you think that focuses that energy at all? I would say it helps me remain unaffected, right? So that's some of the work that I've done is to be able to um, really put pause and to recognize opportunities on what I need to challenge myself in. That's the exciting part. Like I just, I literally remember the first time I did a radio show thinking, oh my God, I'm scared to death. Like what the heck is happening? I've been in private practice for over 20 years. I don't come out of my office. Nobody knows who I am. And now I'm going to do a radio show. And what if I screw it up? And then I took a deep breath and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm actually the expert. I have a lot to say. I've been training for this moment my whole life yeah. and I'm ready. It's it's like recognizing I'm about to overreact uh-huh. and then reeling myself back in and being like, wait, actually, I've totally got this. Okay. You're in the middle right now. So yeah. let's go to what we would think of as the beginning of make the, what made you want to write a book or was there a moment where you you knew it was happening? How did... I guess, how did your middle start? Where's the beginning? I'm going to say the middle started in 11th grade, but it really started. It's it's an interesting question, only in the fact that my answer is long-winded and I'm going to try and shorten it. I do believe that 
imagination helps us achieve so many things. And any of my clients, I always ask them, what did you used to like to play? And that's where your passion lies. And go back to what you used to like to play and start playing. I used to play teacher and I used to be super passionate about reading. I would go nowhere without a book. And I always kind of knew that I wanted somebody to have my book and that I wanted them to like what I was writing. And my beginning, I think, was my 11th grade teacher told me I was a terrible writer. Oh, <laughs> Which is what? Yeah. And he didn't mean it like in a harmful way. And he's my Facebook friend. And if he knew, and at some point he's going to know he said that and he's going to be like, I didn't mean it that way. Oh my gosh, you shouldn't have taken it. Oh, it, it landed on me and I was open to hearing it or misinterpreting it. Mm -hmm. And it dumped me for 20 plus years. So that that was my beginning. I, oh, yeah. I have like seven questions <clears throat> now. And sorry, I get really excited. First of all, I love this idea of imagination because you and I were talking before this about my journey and where I am and how I never thought that I would be doing something like this, you know. I, but when you talked about like imagination, what I love to do is chat. Like I like I just want to chat with people all day. I like my son and I just chat and I'm like, oh, that's why I'm enjoying this so much is because all of this that I'm doing is based around this idea of chatting. Very much resonates. I think it's interesting because the people who I know who are dietitians are very science-minded and very, yeah, <laughs> very scientifically inclined and, and whatnot. And so I think it's interesting this kind of juxtaposition of a English teacher telling this to you. You go a completely different route, but then coming back to it. So do you think you ran away from it because of what you heard? Or do you, is there any connection there? Or am I just making it myself? There is, interestingly enough. We, we put careers to master our triggers. My trigger is health. I was a very sick kid. I spent a year in and out of the hospital in 1986. I was 12. And I went to UCLA every single week for the next four years to see my doctors because I needed to. And I was a sick kid. And I knew that food could make me healthy. And I figured if food can make me healthy, I have an opportunity to be in the medical profession where people took care of me. Now I can take care of them and I can make them healthy, right? There was a terrible boundary there where I thought I had more power. Like, let me tell you exactly what to do. And if you do it, guess what? All your disease goes away. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. I entered into the profession with the science, like, you know, very science mind, eat this, do this, and it worked. And then it didn't because people who had lost weight said to me, you know what, I'm going to gain the weight back. And this was very triggering for me because I just like helped you improve your health. And now why would you not want to do that? Mm -hmm. What ended up happening is I had to kind of reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Right. And so then I had to recognize and, it, and my brother is an artist. And I remember somebody saying to me, you're an artist like your brother. And I thought, what? no, like, no, I can't. I really can't draw. Then I started realizing, oh, I've taken nutrition to a whole nother level. I have really created something that people understand and now can lose weight, but more importantly, keep the weight off. Mm -hmm. And that has always been my goal. The fact that like I allowed myself to believe I was an artist really then said, I have something so important to say that even if I'm a bad writer, I still believe in what I have to say enough to put it out there. That is very powerful. 
I keep track of so many different things, whether it's from the middle, no shame in the home game, all of the different business ventures that are part of those things. And I also keep track of a lot of things in our household from things that we need to repair and do and flows, all of that stuff. The thing that I use to do all of that is Notion. Notion is this amazing blank slate where you build your own app and database depending on what you need. They have some amazing templates to help you get started. But once you get in there and start using it, you see how things work and come together. It is magic and easy and beautiful. It's like a to-do list meets a database with workflows. And then you can even get AI right into Notion to help you come up with words when words are hard. Because let's be honest, they are. We have a link for Notion to help you potentially if you go to themiddle.com. So that's T-H-E-M-D-D-L.com backslash Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N. You can get a link into Notion and potentially sign up for a plan. Now, they do have free plans and paid plans. If anything, go get a free plan because it is so cool and you'll fall in love like me and become a Notion advocate. I want to dig in a little bit more on what you were saying about health and and, and weight and whatnot. One, because I'm getting that a lot right now. Like, well, what are you eating? Like, and it's always from a good place. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to help. I honestly, food is not a priority right now. Like it is a moment of sustenance for me. It is about convenience and getting it and then moving on. I made myself a salad today with a salad kit that I got in those groceries that I got and put away. Thank you very much. And I, you you would think I have conquered the world today, but there is this kind of, I think, especially right now in our culture. And I've been seeing things about like crunchy moms and a holistic thing that food is very polarizing on what the food is and what it means for us and whatnot. So how do you handle that dichotomy of it being something so scary? Because I'll be honest, I was a little nervous to talk to you. Because oh. I've also, I've dealt with weight my whole life, you know? I've, I've been on a sub diet, on and off a diet since I was like 12, you know? And so yeah. it was only really until the past year that I've really tried to focus in on more like intuitive eating and listening to my body and whatnot. So I feel like I just unloaded a lot of my own baggage on you just I, in this moment. <laughs> I'm glad you got vulnerable with me. Um, yeah. I think, you know, first of all, what you what you need to know is that in fact, triggers develop in the first six years of our life. And then we work on the rest of our life mastering them. And there's that remaining uninfected, uninfected piece, right? Mm-hmm. We develop new triggers when something very traumatic happens to us. 9-11, in my case, being 12 and very sick, in my case, COVID, in everyone's case, right? Nobody is coming out of COVID unaffected by it. We will work on mastering it. We pick careers and spouses to help us. The word diet, I even seeing a dietitian, even some of my friends might feel this way and hopefully they don't. The word fat, weight loss, it's very triggering for many, many people. I have six rules. I call them rules on purpose because they're triggering. What they really are is a set of values. I'm the kind of person who gets up and brushes my teeth before I leave the house. That's a value of mine. It's also a rule. It's like a hard rule. I don't have shame. I don't persecute myself if it doesn't happen exactly the way I want it to. But it's so important that I had to train myself to make it happen, right? We train our kids to wash our hands after we pee. It's a rule. 
it's not a triggering rule. It's just an annoying one that we do because it's a part of our value system. And so really kind of looking at what I'm being triggered at and then understanding I have something to learn in that. And how can I learn how to remain unaffected? And really remaining unaffected means I'm recognizing that I'm triggered. And I'm also recognizing that I don't have to carry that, if that makes sense. It does. And it, I think this really, first of all, you can hear my dog walking around in the background. Yeah. That's indie. I, I think it also really relates back to the middle a lot because it's a constant thing you're working there's no set beginning and end, I guess, with the exception of life. You always have to eat. You can't just avoid it. You have your body and whatnot. And so figuring out how to manage those triggers is never going to stop. It, it's not going to stop. It just you're going to have a toolbox. Like, yeah. for instance, I would say, like, there's Lacey's emotional human being, and she's living inside of her body right? And you just need to separate the two. And your body is really self-regulating and self-healing. And it gives you cues all day long. You have to pee, you have to eat, you have to sleep. You're a little stressed right now. You need to take a deep breath, right? And then we have these human experiences that our body's reacting to. But if we can get really good at saying, you know what, body, I love you. Thank you so much for just providing for me every day. I want to protect you the way you protect me. I'm going to honor you. And if we're tired, I'm going to rest today. If I'm not tired, I'm going to move a little harder. But there are some things that are just not negotiable. And one of them is loving ourselves. Another one is honoring ourselves and honoring what our body needs, drinking water, getting sleep, eating food, and moving our body every day, non-negotiable. What's flexible is how that all gets done. Oh, uh, you just, yeah. Hit my my heart really hard because, you know, we've talked about I'm I'm going through some health issues right now. I, for a long time and still don't, frankly, trust my body so that when you were talking about that and about listening to your your, you know, listening to your body and honoring it. Honestly, you know, that's a lot. I in the past two months as I've been going through these health issues have listened to my body more than I ever have and trusted in it. I, I think I've done such a big job of self-gaslighting, I guess, is the way of being like, no, nothing's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's mm -hmm. wrong. I'm crazy. I'm making this up. It's in my head. And really the past, you know, I've been learning like, oh, nope, I feel this. I have to lay down. Oh, I feel this. I need to do that. And so that was kind of a big breakthrough for me. I just sat there with you of that maybe this you know, journey I'm on is going to help me in a lot of other ways in that I am starting to trust and listen to my body. I mean, there's a lot of emotions we go through, right? But emotions only actually last 90 seconds. So if we don't engage in them, they drop away. Moods can last days, but emotions only 90 seconds. It's like just recognizing, okay, I'm having a little stress. I'm going to take a deep breath. It's going to pass. I mean, even before we started or you press record and, you know, it, whatever time of day it is, how many emotions have you had today? Oh, I'm full of, of emotions. But we don't remember them. We don't yeah. remember them. But our body responds to every single one of them. And our mind's job is to help us survive in the most pleasurable way every second of the day. And so our mind lies to us all the time. The only thing we can trust is our body. Thank you for all of the insight that you just gave me. But I do want to kind of pause. I like to end on or kind of have this moment of a life lesson or a takeaway that you would give to somebody um, who's either in your situation now or you're kind of in that middle of waiting for things to happen or uh, your 11th grade self, maybe? 
what would be kind of a, a piece of advice or life lesson you would want to impart? God, I love all those ideas. Um, I would say my greatest life lesson at this age is confidence, right? Learn, fake it, figure out, hire anybody who can help you in your own world develop confidence. There is nothing worse than not feeling good enough or not capable enough or imposterish. We're all artists. We all have something to say, you know? Awesome. Thank you, Kim. It's been so nice talking to you. What would you uh, like to plug? How can our people find you? All that good stuff. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at Kim Shapira Method. You, I, you can go to my website, which is KimShapiraMethod.com. Um, you can you know, pre-order my book, which is coming in July. It's called This Is What You're Really Hungry For. I have a private clients and group session if anyone's interested in that. And um, really, I'm very open. So if you have any questions or concerns, DM me. I want to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was very helpful for me personally, and I'm excited for people to hear it. Thanks, Lacey. Welcome to Lacey Loves. This is the segment that I do in many episodes where I just talk about different things that I am particularly enjoying at the moment. This week, I want to talk to you about Shrinking. It's an Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus show that stars Jason Segel, Harrison Ford, Jessica Williams, and all kinds of other people that you see them and you're like, oh, I know them. And I will be honest, I was really hesitant to watch it. Joe, my husband, finally was like, just watch it. We only have our Apple TV. We've budgeted for it to just be the rest of this cycle. So we need to get it in. And I have been enjoying it so much. It's about a man who loses his wife, who's a therapist, who goes rogue afterwards. The first episode is hard to watch, lots of cringiness. But when I say I laughed out loud and hard in episodes two, three, and four thus far, I am not exaggerating just how much I've been laughing. It is right up my alley in as far as shows go where it has a lot of heart, good messages, realistic in, in a lot of ways, but then also just so silly and funny in many other ways. Also, who knew I could love Harrison Ford even more? I, I, I You probably don't know this about me because I don't think I've ever shared that Indiana Jones is my favorite movie. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, specifically Sean Connery and Harrison Ford in it. Let me go around. It's just it's one of my favorite movies. We watched it the first night that we moved into our house. It is also why my dog's name is Indy. Don't ask me about the new ones because I don't know anything about it. But I just really particularly love it. And so to have Harrison Ford be a grumpy old man, cinnamon roll with a heart of gold, just uh, hits my soul in all the good spots. So if you do have Apple TV+, Plus, definitely recommend it. Like I said, first episode, it's hard. It's hard to watch. There are some funny moments, but I was like, Joe, are you sure this is a show for me? And then we are in episode two, and I am like, I get it. And right now we're not in episode two, but I'm saying when we were in episode two, I got it. So there's that. I'm really enjoying it. And I don't know. There's I don't really have anything else to say right now. So I just wanted to share that a little bit. It's been a rough week for me. I'm having more and more episodes of weakness and um, brain fog. So to have something bring me a lot of joy, I had to share it. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next week. 
Thanks for sharing the middle with me. As always, I hope you've been able to see a little bit of yourself in the story we shared today. Don't forget to follow, share, rate, review, and follow me on social media at Lacey Shares. You can always check out the Joyful Support Movement at joyfulsupportmovement.com and see all of the amazing goodness we have there, like No Shame in the Home Game, Pops of Joy, courses, resources, and of course, the Joyful Support Village. All right, now go out there and spread some joy.